Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. The Idea Village was founded in the year 2000 as a business incubator and accelerator. Six years later, in the wake of the devastating aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, the Idea Village played a pivotal role in totally changing the business landscape of New Orleans. With literally nothing left to lose here, the Idea Village led the way in establishing a fearless approach to creating a whole new startup entrepreneurial business culture under the banner, Trust Your Crazy Ideas. I could talk for the entire 30 minutes of this show about the impact the Idea Village has had on the New Orleans business community, but I'm not gonna do that. Instead, I'm gonna let the current CEO of Idea Village, John Atkinson, tell you all about it. John, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, Peter. So excited to be here. Now, John, you've brought with you representatives of two very different but equally fascinating and impressive businesses from the Idea Village class of 2019. Diana Liu is the founder and president of Eric's Technologies. Eric's creates robots that inspect oil and gas pipes for corrosion. This is a job that is currently performed by humans dangling off scaffolding. Worldwide, corrosion of pipes cost the oil and gas industry an estimated two and a half trillion dollars. So there is quite a market waiting for Eric's technologies as it begins to put its robots into commercial production. Diana, welcome out to lunch. Thanks for having me. Across the table is Diana's 2019 Idea Village classmate, Josh Johnston. Josh is the co-founder and president of a company called Trayaway. Trayaway is a technology company that works in the hotel industry solving a singular problem how to get that dirty used room service food tray out of a room or a hotel hallway. You might think this is a negligible problem, but in fact, there's a vast universe of hotels looking to solve it. Trayaway is already in use in hotels from Paris to the Caribbean, across North and South America, and Brazil, Dubai, and Abu Dhabi. Josh, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, Peter, for having me. John, I'll start with you as the, uh, I guess, professor of this group here. In the early days of the Idea Village, there was a sense of euphoria. People started comparing what was going on here in New Orleans to how Silicon Valley got started. Then after a while, when the euphoria calmed down a bit, people started expecting the same kind of results that come out of Silicon Valley, bust out companies with billion dollar revenues. While some of the companies that have gone through the Idea Village are certainly successful, I'm not sure that anything on the scale of a Google or Facebook has emerged. So, John, what is the definition of success at the Idea Village today? Thank you, Peter. So, 
the Idea Village is really a catalyst for entrepreneurship across our community. Um, we've, we have a long history of supporting different entrepreneurs uh, in different ways and helping rebuild this community post-Katrina, particularly post-Katrina, uh, but we're also really about investing in the future of the New Orleans economy. So the two companies that you, we have here today are really good examples of what we're doing in this day and age, trying to identify and support companies that are uh, at really at the forefront of their respective industries and sort of driving innovation uh, that solves real niche problems in, in their respective marketplaces. You, you talked about the Googles of the world. That's become a fairly saturated market. Where the opportunities for innovation are today are some of these less sexy industries that this area does well, and we're investing in supporting those companies. Now, I think of you as, as a helping startups, but you're actually more than that, right? We are. So we invest in the resource environment around early stage companies in New Orleans um, and really across stage. So we support companies across their life cycle from inception through, uh, you know, $100, $200 million in revenue. Those are ultimately the outcomes that we want to see. Diana, Eric's Technologies is a potentially multi-billion dollar company. You've been consciously putting together the building blocks to create this technology since grad school and not just any grad school. At Yale, you were the winner of the Yale University Miller Prize for Disruptive Technology. You've since been recognized and won other energy technology prizes and accolades. You've dedicated your professional life to this. You're seemingly on the brink of being a very big deal in the energy business and in business in general. Without taking away anything from how fabulous we all are here in New Orleans, how did you decide to develop the business here? Why does something of this magnitude need the Idea Village? Great questions. I think the idea itself really was inspired right outside New Orleans in Chalmette. Um, I was an engineer at one of the refineries there, and New Orleans has such a... Uh, play such an integral part in the energy industry that this made a lot of sense. The Idea Village is fantastic in that they very much care about each individual entrepreneur, so they gear their assistance uh, to what each company needs instead of sending you through this generic program that assumes that, hey, every company's the same. We found that ex exceptionally helpful. In addition to that, they're just so well connected in the industry, um, both in New Orleans and just in general, so we've met some of our best mentors through them, and we're very appreciative of John and his team. Josh, only someone who has worked in the hotel business would know the enormity of the dirty room service tray problem. You've worked in management at various Hilton hotels and Four Seasons hotels, but so have hundreds of other people. Presumably, some of them have also tried to solve this issue of the dirty room service tray. What have the previous attempts to solve this problem looked like, and what sets you apart from these folks so that Trayaway seems poised to become the hotel industry standard? Yeah, it's a great question, Peter. So I think the reason why we are having the success that we're having is I was born an entrepreneur. Uh, I, growing up as a kid throughout high school, I was starting things, had some success here and there. Um, went on my first big endeavor from 19 to 21. And are you familiar with Mark Zuckerberg's story? Yes. Mine was the exact opposite. So. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> um, Jeez, I thought we were going so somewhere else. So after crashing and burning at 21, I dusted myself off. I went back to school after having dropped out, ended up graduating uh, from University of Southern Miss right up the road. Uh, so I wasn't fortunate enough to go to you know an Ivy League school, uh, but found myself uh, falling in love with the hospitality industry. Uh, so I kind of swore off entrepreneurship for a period of time, uh, worked for Four Seasons Hotels for eight and a half years, and then Hilton for two years all over the country during that period of time. And, you know, 
I obviously uh, recognize many problems in the industry, but that one just continued to stick out from Jackson Hole, Philadelphia, Miami, St. Louis, Dallas, and New Orleans, everywhere I worked. The most high-level executives hated the problem, but not a single person could suggest a solution. So I was literally just looking for a solution on the market. I found one company, and it was apparent to me that the, uh, the company that created the solution did not understand really what was needed. So we started with the end goal in mind of what type of solution would a hotel be willing to pay for? What would fit with an existing hotel's budget? Um, we didn't want to create a solution that was going to be in a 12 to 18 month sales cycle and needing ownership approval. It's not that kind of problem. It's a really simple problem. So we decided to create the most simple solution we could. We can't keep people in the dark any longer. How does it work? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I know we're on the radio, but I brought a, a simple device. Oh, uh, so now click so, for retrieval. Yeah. So, um, you know, a couple of the existing reasons of why the challenge exists. Okay. Number one, 99% of the hotels in the world are relying on outdated procedures. So you've probably seen a paper tent card asking you to pick up a landline telephone. No one in 2019 <laughs> is going to do that. And then on the back end, 99% um, of the hotels are still relying on literally pen and paper. And so we provide a hardware component. So for the guest, all they have to do is click. But then on the back end, we provide a mobile app, a software platform through any desktop computer. So they know all the activity that's happening upstairs throughout the hotel. So it just makes running a smooth operation much uh, easier and more efficient for the team. Diana, can you tell us how Eric's robots work? Like the, the only term I know in that pipeline business is what they call a pig. Is, are you, is your robot a pig? Great question. No, our robots don't go oink. They're not pigs. Um, do they go through the pipe? Like They do not. So oh, in the refineries, okay. we can't insert uh, pigs through the pipes. So what we're doing is putting the robot on the outside and letting it crawl around the pipes. And as it's going, it is able to traverse different obstacles. And then it can deploy just a variety of different sensors as it's going. And when I think of these pipes, I think some are above ground, some are below ground, onshore, and then some are way deep under the water. Uh, so this is for the pipes that are above ground? Yes, sir. All above ground, uh, whether it's onshore or offshore. Because Louisiana is like a, that's like we're sitting on a big bowl of spaghetti, right? I mean, there's pipelines everywhere. This is a huge problem for the industry. So part of how we connected with Diana is we have a partnership with Shell where we um, are putting out calls for problems that they have identified are major problems across the industry. And one of those is how to inspect these miles and miles of pipe that exist out there that are uh, sort of economically unfeasible to inspect with humans. And so Diana has been uh, kind of the leader in solving this problem uh, and happened to be right here in our own backyard. So uh, it's been really exciting. And, and the, the folks at Shell and others that she's talked to in the industry are really excited about now, this. Now, that's something I was going to bring up. You've got this partnership with Shell. How does that work? Uh, I know you know you get a lot of donations from folks and things like that, but but what's the shell arrangement? So we are a nonprofit organization at our core, focused on economic development and job creation, um, and so we fund ourselves in one of two ways. One is individual donors who are supporting our mission uh, and supporting uh, the future of New Orleans. The other is through working with companies that are interested in the types of innovation services that we offer um, and want to bring more innovation into their company, either through working with startups or through uh, spinning out things that they are working on as internal projects. Um, and so the relationship with Shell started out of a conversation that uh, said, you know, why can't New Orleans be the center of innovation for the energy industry? 
How do we bring companies to New Orleans that are doing interesting things in, in energy innovation uh, and structure a relationship with Shell that helps them prove uh, whether their solution is viable or not and whether it solves a business problem or not? And so, What do they get out of it? So uh, in Diana's case, uh, I hope she's okay with me sharing this, we're able to get some funding to support the technology commercialization. So she has a solution that works uh, in a, a controlled setting. She's working on building a solution that will work in the field. Shell is helping her fund that. Uh, and Shell would get the... Shell uh, is actually taking a relatively uh, um, progressive approach to this and saying that what's good for us, or what's good for the industry is good for us. And so uh, they're not making any claims on it necessarily, but they get the opportunity to use it if it works. And so that's a really exciting model. Uh, Diana has also gotten the access to us and to our network and to our process around uh, helping her build the business in parallel to building the technology. It makes sense. Shell's always been one of the more progressive of the oil companies, so that, that certainly makes sense. Josh, well, who do you, uh, who's your customer? Who do you pitch? Is it the general manager of an individual hotel or the somebody high up in the chain? Um, so it's, to answer your question, it's both. Uh, long term, our goal is partnering with big corporate offices, ownership groups. Uh, but, you know, my background and knowing how long some of those relationships and rollouts can take, we started on the exact opposite end. So we kind of, I call it the backdoor method. We started with the independent hotels, that first Fairmont, that first JW Marriott, that first Ritz-Carlton. Uh, and we already are seeing it. We now have five Fairmont hotels, which has trickled its way up to Accor, their parent company. And we now have a corporate agreement with them. So uh, we're starting to see that opportunity pop up as well. We've got half a dozen plus Hiltons, and now we're in chats with Hilton Corporate as an example. So Now, um, earlier I just read your international work, but you've got plenty of domestic things. Yeah, so we, we've got quite a few things happening. Uh, we've actually just today, uh, we're moving forward, um, not with the entire Caribbean and resort uh, group just yet, but we are moving forward with some of their properties. Um, that's something that we've been testing with them for several months now down in the Caribbean. So. What about installation? Is that a big deal to get a system going like that? Do you have to send a crew? Uh, so that goes really back to uh, our focus on finding product market fit. It started with the price point that I mentioned, but the second goal was this has to be easy to implement anywhere in the world remotely. And so literally, I would love to say I've been to Hawaii and Abu Dhabi and Dubai, <laughs> and unfortunately, I haven't had that pleasure yet, but our product is in those areas. So we ship the heart. We, we program certain components that we need from the hotel into each hardware device. It's shipped out via FedEx. Uh, delivered to the property, and it, we call it instant implementation. It, they literally, everything's cloud-based, everything's Wi-Fi-based, so nothing needs to be installed on hotel property, uh, which is why we're also having the success we're having. So it's, one of the coolest things about Josh is you talk to outsiders about this business, and they say, man, this is kind of cool, but it seems like a small problem, right? Our tra is trade retrieval really this big a problem? But you talk to people in the hotel industry, and they are just falling all over themselves to find this solution. And it is really, really incredible how fast his pipeline moves. So he makes contact with a person, the, the right person in the hotel business, the F&B manager, shows them the solution. It's incredibly simple. Uh, it's simple for them to implement. It's simple for the guests to use. Uh, and it meaningfully solves this sort of extreme niche pain point, um, which is a really great foundation on which to build a business uh, and has been really incredible in working with Josh. He's one of the, one of the uh, most acute in tackling that very specific pain point that I've worked with in my career. 
You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with John Atkinson, CEO of New Orleans business incubator, The Idea Village, and two members of the Idea Village class of 2019. Diana Liu from Eric's Technologies and Josh Johnston from Trayaway. We'll be right back after this very brief break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with John Atkinson, CEO of New Orleans business incubator, The Idea Village, and two members of the Idea Village class of 2019. Diana Liu from Eric's Technologies and Josh Johnston from Trayaway. And Diana, I'm going to ask you, who do you pitch? I, you know, it's kind of an interesting quandary. At first I thought maybe you pitch the oil company that owns the uh, pipeline, but is, it, is that the answer or is it like an engineering firm or a pipeline firm? So I think for us, there's different groups, and the ones that we're looking at first are the companies like Shell, who are uh, the big asset owners. They're very focused on safety, and I think this is something that at its core is a safety improvement. So we pitch the people on the ground, so very similar to Josh, we pitch the field engineers, the field inspectors, but at the same time, I think this industry is very much aware that, hey, you know, we're moving towards more digitalization, so there's also people in headquarters who are interested, um, and really, we are very happy to talk to whoever, honestly, is interested in this. And it's funny, I think some people would be listening and thinking, well, you know, the oil and gas business had a tough last five years, and I wonder how she's gonna do, but these are, your focus is on existing pipelines, right? Yeah, not new construction. Josh, I just thought of something which you, you have already thought of. Not all hotels have room service. The kind of hotels I stay in usually have a vending machine downstairs. So I like those kind of those are the kind of hotels I took vacation <laughs> in growing up. Yeah. Um, 100%. So, uh, yes, to start with, we're focused on full-service hotels that offer room service, and more specifically, about three-and-a-half to five-star properties. Um, so in the world, there's right at about 24,000 of those properties. Um, so that's, But right now, 99% of those 24,000 are literally using pen, paper, asking guests to call from a landline telephone. So it's an untapped market. I never market. call, you know. I just it, leave them Neither open. does 98 other people out of 100. And, you know, you still get that one person. Um, but they're happy. So we take them from 1% that call to 83% that click. Uh, but then for the oh. 17% that don't, it's just as easy for housekeeping, engineering, security. Any internal team member can click a button, send the same request versus picking up a phone and calling or creating like a work order request. So that's so what I was going to ask. You don't have the problem where people are resistant uh, to technology, people thought it's, it's very simple. It, it, it's so intuitive, I think was the goal is, uh, you know, some people ask, why, what if they could download an app and open it there? Well, you know, just to explain that process takes a lot longer than clicking a simple button. So I feel good uh, about my ability to, to use this. Most actually. people do, you know, <laughs> exactly. John, I've got to ask you, you came in um, and you were the new guy on the block and you were a CEO of a company that you know, had a lot of buzz and such. What was that like? I mean, uh, it's never easy, but... So I like to say we're going through startup at scale. So one of the big advantages of being a startup is you can do things in stealth mode and make mistakes and nobody notices. Um, but for, for the Idea Village, which is going through something of a reinvention at the moment, um, we, are, uh, we are at a, a place and have a sort of prominent position within this ecosystem that uh, everything is under a microscope. And that's, uh, that's both exhilarating and uh, challenging at the same time. 
And if I can uh, butt in and brag on John a little. So we actually work out of several different cities and other cities have heard about the work that he's done and talked about how they're trying to learn from uh, John and Idea Village. Interesting fun fact, the Idea Village is actually older than Y Combinator or Techstars, two, which are the two big names in the accelerator business. Uh, so we've been doing this since, it befo since before it was cool and I, uh, <laughs> I credit my predecessors with building what was really a, 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 a program with a lot of foresight. John, um, where'd you come in from? Uh, so I grew up in Los Angeles. I moved here in 2000. Just took I-10? Yeah, just okay. I-10 all the way. Um, I moved here from uh, North Carolina in 2007. I'm a part of the post-Katrina uh, influx. Um, and and pretty great influx. Stayed and made it home. Um, so most recently I was running the entrepreneurship program at Loyola University. Now, Diane, i got to ask you this. Be, um, with you're I'm trying to figure out what stage you're at. Like you've talked talk to me about the problems of the, you know, that other systems have with the elbows and things like that. Would it be fair to say you're at kind of the beta stage? Yes, I think that's probably the most accurate. And um, we're not, so I think as a safety focused uh, product, we're more uh, interested in getting early feedback instead of getting the first product out. So we have working products, but we're uh, working with beta customers uh, to really refine it and make it as safe, as foolproof as possible first. You know, I've uh, followed the energy industry for a while, and what tends to happen, and of course you know more than I do on this, but it's sometimes resistant to new technology, but once you get a couple going, it really runs. Is that kind of what you're expecting? Yes and no. I think the energy industry is actually very receptive to new technology. They just want technology that makes sense and comes from a deep understanding of how they operate and why they operate. And I think that's been a concern for a lot of companies. And coming from the field, that definitely was a concern of mine too when I was looking at new technologies. So that was something that we really focused on. We wanted every feedback we could, whether negative or positive, and we really wanted the negative ones, to be honest, so we could address that. And that's why we're doing this beta release instead of a full commercial release. So what Diana just said really speaks to the type of innovation that I think New Orleans does well and has a lot of potential to do well. And that is this, uh, there's, there's a lot of room to innovate and yet to be innovated in industries. Hospitality is one, energy is another, where you have a greater degree of complexity. Uh, you have to build more deeper partnerships. Uh, the types of tools that have supported the Silicon Valley companies and sort of the consumer-facing app startups um, that we think of when we think of startups are applicable, right? You hear both of these folks talking about product market fit, talking about talking to their customers, but they have to be done in a slightly different way. When if your MVP, to use our parlance, minimum viable product, goes boom and people die, it's a very different approach <laughs> <laughs> than if you, uh, you know, are going to have an outage on a social media platform, for instance. So we are, we are working, actively working, to build the tool set that is necessary to support this type of entrepreneur. Um, and to really make that a big part of our future. And I think that's where New Orleans can get ahead of the next thing and the next wave that's coming down the pipe. John, you sound uh, a bit like when I was talking to Propeller, they tend to take three or four industries that they think are just kind of in their wheelhouse. It sounds like you have a similar approach. So we, we've thought about uh, the industry uh, sort of focus. What we're focused on right now is repeatable and scalable technology-enabled companies. And that's using a very broad definition of technology. There's any sort of new or better way of doing things. Um, 
We are, we are doing that within areas that we think there are opportunities for this region, where we have depth of talent, where we have specific expertise, um, or where we have a front row seat to the problem or to the relevant customers in that industry. Um, we, are, uh, we, are, we have some level of industry specialization, as you see around Shell and the, the energy partnership. We're looking to grow some additional energy some additional industry level specialization. Um, but I don't think we'll ever be exclusively focused on a particular industry. If you are, you miss the opportunities like Josh that just show up on your doorstep because they found a problem and they're building a great business. And so, so we always want to keep that door open. Healthcare, energy. Uh, healthcare, energy. The, mo the most interesting cluster I actually see coming out of New Orleans right cafeteria now. Trays. It's cafeteria trays. It's cafeteria trays. Is um, uh, civic and legal technology. We have a lot of great companies that are doing really well coming up in those spaces. Um, and it makes sense. If you think about your interface with government, having gone through a Katrina, having been experienced some of the problems that we've experienced uh, as a community, and you think about the difference between that relationship here versus in a Silicon Valley where you have leading companies that are Airbnb and Uber that are sort of flaunting regulation, uh, this is a cool place to build things that interface, that, that sort of improve civic processes. And we've got a lot of great companies that are doing things like that. Now that we know you're uh, working with companies in different tiers of their lifestyle, is the ID Village still a great place to go if you've got an idea, just kind of right, right from the top? I would, uh, I would, uh, I'd, that's, your, that's your reputation in that's town. That's it. Um, trust your crazy ideas. So um, it starts with the idea, right? And so if you come to us with the idea, we're going to help point you in the right direction. Um, but we're also very focused on how you take that idea into execution and ultimately to scale. And so we're encouraging people to think bigger, seize on the right opportunities um, to be able to build bigger businesses. And John, when these two folks walked in the door, um, I know that's not exactly how it works, but it's, it's a nice visual. Uh, did you, um, you know, get up out of your chair and, and like the, the sun broke through the clouds? And Maybe for Diana, because we were looking for... <laughs> I was uh, really thinking about together, man. I was really thinking about it. It's going to get better. I feel the comma coming. Um, and uh, we were looking for robotic startups and energy. And so she walked through the door and said, I'm, I'm here from outside Baton Rouge. I said, wow, right on our back doorstep. Um, but... No, it's, it's much more of a process. You want to you wanna work with folks over some period of time to see their capacity for execution, to see how they approach problems. Um, and you learn from every interaction that you have with them. And so uh, I would say it's, it's much more about building that relationship over time. John, when people uh, come to you and you get their business going and such, uh, do they pay you or do you take an equity stake? or so? We do not charge or take an equity stake today. We do this for the benefit of the New Orleans community uh, and to invest in the future of New Orleans. And Josh, what did, uh, what did the Idea Village do for you? You had the idea and then... Yeah, you know, sometimes uh, from my perspective, the stars align perfectly. So we launched our product last year. We had been out of the gate about nine months. We were getting good traction. We had great product sales and conversion, but we were at a pivot point of how do we really scale this and actually build a company on it. And thankfully, we got accepted to Idea Village, and I saw the first day they said, trust your crazy ideas, and it was just amazing for the next few months. So, I mean, our where our business is going to be in a few years is night and day, thankfully to the Idea Village and the few months we spent with them and, and the continued partnership going forward. 
There are people today in New Orleans who are old enough to vote, who were born here or moved here as children, who have never known anything but the New Orleans that exists today. In other words, there's almost an entire generation who only know New Orleans as an entrepreneurial hub, a place where you can start a business, a city that people move to for opportunity. And it wasn't always like this. The Idea Village made a significant contribution to changing New Orleans, and it's continuing to play a significant role in maintaining our status in the entrepreneurial world. John, you're doing great work, and Diana and Josh, you're proof that the best is yet to come. Thank you all for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you, Thank Peter. You. Thank you, Peter. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been John Atkinson, CEO of the Idea Village, Diana Liu, founder and president of Eric's Technologies, and Josh Johnston, president and co-founder of Trayaway. You can find out more about the Idea Village, Eric's Technologies, and Trayaway by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to the show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on It's New Orleans Facebook page and at It's New Orleans on Instagram. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed, and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and by Basics Swimming Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast, and by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.